episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Wobby, here to break down the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings, and the rest of the 2023 regular season. And to do so, it's my partner, it's Giles. He's the co-host. He's here to help me break it down. How's it going, bud? Hey, hey, how we doing? Excited to talk D-line today. Um, one of my favorite topics. I mean, at the end of the day, they're on the opposite side of the offensive line. It's a big part of how uh, teams win and lose football games. It's in the trenches. It's uh, meat and potatoes, but definitely That's very right. important. Our, uh, our series, our, um, our exercise of evaluating every position on every roster in the division continues. We have arrived at the interior of the defensive line, as Giles has stated, and this is an exercise that we've done in the last probably, I don't know, four or five episodes, I'd say, Giles. We've done quarterbacks. We've done the interior O-line, the offensive tackles, the edge rushers, and now we're um, on the interior of the defensive line. So we still have um, a few positions to go, but now we're kind of making our way through the rosters. And it's just interesting when you get to the end of the exercise for that position, you stack up the division and then you go and like, I don't know how you're doing it, but I have a tab. I have one spreadsheet going and then a tab for every position. So you click through those tabs and see what the rankings are for every position. And you start to get a feel for who's got the best roster in the division. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's kind of an enlightening and educational way to analyze rosters um in in the division and and of the minnesota vikings so um you know and we have a grading scale that we go through so for those who have listened to it they know how it goes but for anyone joining the wobcast 2.0 for the first time or for the first time in a long time um the way we do it is we look at every team and we look at the key players at each position for every team and we grade them on the same scale and then we stack them up at the end of the episode and see where everyone lies so I think we'll get to our overall, our overarching notes on this position at the end. So let's get right into breaking down the players and, and grading them. Let's do it. And I think previously we, we sort of paid a little bit of attention to aligning on, before we got to the evaluation and the grades, we want to do a line on the personnel. But mm-hmm. I think it's maybe less important to do that. I think if we have different personnel that we've identified as as key players for a team at that position i think it's it's good for the audience to hear a couple of different perspectives on it maybe so if we align on one that's great if we differ on one that's also great and the reason i bring that up on in this episode giles is i think green bay is an example of a team that's that's doing something fairly interesting Mm -hmm. people look at green bay and they're saying they're really retooling rebuilding because Aaron Rodgers is gone and Jordan Love is now the guy and they have two really good running backs and they might be a little bit more of a run happy operation, but they're doing some interesting things and some rebuilding on defense as well, uh, specifically with their defensive line where um, they're, they're asking Kenny Clark to change positions. They're inserting a couple of young players as starters so that we may be aligned on that as it turns out, but that's uh, an example of a team where two learned football minds could both look at the same team and identify a different approach that that team could take. So I don't think we need to stress or strain ourselves to align on the personnel. I think we just unveil what we think each team is going to be doing along the interior of the defensive line, and we take it from there. Before I guess we get into it, though, um, you know, I think for the Vikings, what's interesting is they also are rebuilding quite a bit. So this was an interesting exercise when you look at it just from the Vikings perspective, because I think for folks who 
are going to turn on the TV and pay attention to football for the first time since last January. When they do that this year for the Vikings, they're going to see some people up front on the defensive line that they didn't really see much last year. You know, <laughs> could not agree more. I think it'll yeah. be a, a little bit of a, a mess there here internally for the the preseason, but I think it'll uh, it'll right its ship uh, by yeah. midseason. I think. Yeah. All right. So let let's start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, a four three a four three defense, which is um, which is a departure from the rest of the division where the Lions, Packers, and Bears uh, will be in three, four fronts. So um, we, we found a way to manipulate the grading scales to make this equitable. Uh, the Chicago Bears, 4-3 defense. So we'll be looking at a nose tackle, a, a defensive tackle, a three technique, um, and then uh, backups to each of those positions. So um, I'm going to start with Andrew Billings, who's going to be their nose tackle. Um, a pretty solid uh, year last year, according to PFF. Um, career high in many respects uh, when you look at the stat sheet on a one-year deal with the Raiders so he comes over to the Bears from the Raiders and to me a prototypical run stuffer Giles who can two gap who can consume blockers and free up not just his fellow defensive linemen but can also free up linebackers on the second level behind him so really I think a solid player um, for the Chicago Bears a really big signing for them as they try and um, revamp their defense and um, and not put so much pressure on their young quarterback and the offense. So I really like this player. Um, for the Bears, we're grading their starting interior defensive lineman on a scale of 0 to 15, and I gave Billings a very very solid grade. I gave him a 9 out of 15. So um, and, and I think he's um, a player who probably has a – like if, if you said to me, I can see the future – and you were wrong by two on Billings at the end of the year. I'd be like, wow, he was a, an 11. Like, I think his arrow's pointing up, uh, but I gave him a solid grade of a nine. Mm -hmm. um, next is uh, at three technique is Justin Jones, who did not have a great year in the eyes of PFF from a grade standpoint mm -hmm. last year. I think you'd probably qualify him as just a guy, three sacks, 33 tackles. Uh, I think, though, if you go back a couple of years to 2020 and look at 2021, a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't I don't hate this um, spot for the Bears. Um, it's one potentially where I think they see some upside in Jones. I gave him a 7 um, on a scale of 0 to 15. So mm -hmm. right, right in the middle, not terrible, not great. But again, another guy who I think has the potential to perform better. Uh, backup, I have uh, Zach Pickens on a scale of 0 to 5. I gave him a 2. Rookie third rounder. Did not dominate at South Carolina, so it's hard to get too fired up from him considering he didn't dominate in college and he's a rookie playing for the first time. So I don't think you can get too excited about him. Uh, but I like the... I like the theory here that the Bears are going with because Jervon Dexter is the other backup that I evaluated. Rookie second rounder also didn't dominate in college, but there are things in his background that I love. Okay. And what I love about him is the scouting reports that I read all talked about he's got a great motor. Okay, okay. And a lot of times when you hear a scout or a coach rave about a guy's motor, they're complimenting him on that to compensate for maybe a lack of physical ability or a lack of athleticism, but they also rave about Dexter's athleticism. So I, I think they're looking at him as a guy with a lot of potential. And so what the Bears did is they took Dexter in the second round, interior defensive lineman, and then they took Pickens in the third round, interior defensive lineman. So they sign a pretty big free agent in Billings, and then they spend a second and third round pick at that position. So you can tell the Bears are trying to 
trying to load up at this position. It's important to them. And so I gave Dexter a three. Um, so Pickens gets a two. Dexter gets a three. The two starters get a nine and a seven. 16 and five is 21 for the Bears. Boom. Yeah, honestly, I think I, I agree in a lot of those different intersections. I think uh, specifically for the Bears, when you think the I think about the activity that they did in the offseason uh, between free agency and the draft, I think it really indicates that the Bears recognize how good the offensive lines are becoming in the NFC North. And they recognize, hey, for us to be able to get pressure on quarterbacks, um, yeah. you know, half of which are statuesque, uh, we need to make sure we beef up. Now, whether that happens or not, will cease to be seen. Uh, but if we start with the Bears, uh, with Andrew Billings, I think other than maybe Kenny Clark with the Packers, this may be one of the best defensive linemen in the NFC North. Um, ultimately, he is 28 years old. He's 6'1", 311 pounds from Baylor. Um, he did end the year last year at a 76.4 grade uh, overall. Um, like you mentioned, he's much better in the run than the pass. Uh, he didn't end the year at a 66.4 in a pass grade. Um, overall, he was the 16th highest graded player in the defensive line in the interior out of 88 qualified. Um, hmm. or, I'm sorry, uh, out of 142 qualified wow. um, uh, interior defensive linemen. So out of 140 42 16 so this guy's a stud uh, especially in the run defense he was the 19th overall graded run defender uh in the past he was 45th the area in which he does get knocked down a little bit is he was relatively atrocious at tackling which is mm. ironic because he's a good run defender uh, but when it comes to tackling this guy was basically at the bottom of the league in the most literal sense he was 128th out of 142 qualified interior defenders um Ned at least played 20, uh, 20% of snaps. Um, he was good at getting uh, interior pressure, uh, but at the end of the day, I do give him an 8 um, out of 10, but it, which would translate into like a 12 out of 15, um, specifically in your grading scale. So really like the Andrew Billing signing if I'm the Bears. Um, then moving over to Justin Jones, he's 26 years old, 6'3", 309 pounds from North Carolina. Um, this guy I don't feel as high about. Um, he was the 119th overall graded player in 2021, uh, or 2022 rather. Um, he wasn't very good against the run. He was a little bit better in the pass, uh, tackling and pressures. Uh, I would say he was maybe top third, um, but barely. Um, um, so at the end of the day, I do give him, um, you know, maybe a six out of 15. So he's middle of the road for me. Um, and then I bring it over to Andrew Brown, um, who is the swing mm. interior guy that I was uh, referencing. Um, in my opinion, he's a guy. Um, he played like five games last year um, for the Chargers. Um, and when he did play, he was, um, I would say, average, maybe below average to train wreck, uh, depending on the game. Uh, he did play against Detroit of all teams uh, and ended the year or ended the game rather at a 25.9. But other than his game against the Detroit Lions, he was averaging about a 60 grade uh, across the board. So he's not amazing, but in most games, he is he's not a train wreck. Um, but at the end of the day, I do give him a two out of five in terms of a, a interior backup. OK, um, so when you look at the Bears and their defensive line overall, um, obviously the Bears were one of the worst teams in the league last year. And when that happens, um, not much has gone right for you. Um, when you look at the Bears in general, are you looking at a defensive interior that is formidable? Or do you look at one that you think teams can expose? Um, depending on the area of the interior, I think it's one that can expose. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to the uh, Detroit Lions. I'm going to start at... Um, Again, a 3-4 front here. So technically a defensive end in this front we're grading as part of the interior because we would have graded their edge defenders uh, as the exterior. So I started here with with John Kaminsky. Mm -hmm. um, four sacks last year, I thought maybe a late, you know, a little bit of a late bloomer in his career, Giles, because mm -hmm. he's not 
like necessarily a young pup. He's not getting long in the tooth, but Kaminsky's been there for a little while, um, but is starting to uh, emerge as a solid player for them. Uh, lunch pail guy, he's durable, he's quality. Um, I, and I think the fact that Aiden Hutchinson is opposite of him on the exterior, on the other side of the line, I think Kaminsky benefits from that. A pretty solid grade last year, according to PFF. Um, so on a scale of 0 to 10, I gave Kaminsky a 6. I think when he plays great, he's a, maybe a seven, uh, but uh, I think he's steady Eddie at a six. Mm -hmm. uh, nose tackle for the Lions, I went with Isaiah Bugs. Um, mm -hmm. Played in all the games last year, really came on late in the year. When you look at his performance, his grade, his stats late in the season in the last few games, mm -hmm. um, I thought he came on. And I think he's one when I read uh, I read a lot about him in researching for this episode and for this evaluation. I read a lot about him and I read some of his quotes. I think that he feels appreciated in Detroit compared to mm -hmm. some places he's been in the past, and yep. um, you know he's gotten a deal there now in Detroit. So I think he feels appreciated. I think he feels bought in. I think he has bought in. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he's um, so, sort of a player to watch. Not like going to be a star, but mm -hmm. like I think he's one of those guys that just is going to be a solid player for Detroit, a, a good part of their defense. Mm -hmm. um, Aleem McNeil is next, that defensive tackle. Um, another guy with a fairly solid grade last year, um, according to PFF. He, mm -hmm. he is one who had 10 pressures against the New York Giants late in the season, I believe it was. So had a really yes. good game against yep. the Giants. Uh, good wiggle as a pass rusher, especially for a guy at 325 pounds. Another guy I read a lot about, Giles, and he lost 13% body fat this offseason. So 13, 13%. 13%. That's a lot. Drop in body like fat. <laughs> yep. So um, he like he's an anchor. Uh, his his profile, his size profile, you'd look at him and be like, oh, he's an anchor against the run. He's there. You know, he's... Um, a guy that you would play at nose and anchor against the run. If you look mm -hmm. at his height and weight and yep. look at him, but the way he's trying to shape his body and the way he's trying to hone his craft, he's trying to get better as a pass rusher. Um, and so I gave him a five on a scale of zero to 10. Again, though, a guy whose arrow is pointing up yep. and finally uh, back up uh, along the interior for the lions. I have Josh Pascal. Um, you know, just the guy, I think injuries cost him a lot of time last mm -hmm. year. Also a guy that they're training on the outside. So Pascal yeah. could be a guy when all is said and done that ends up playing um, outside on the edge for the Lions, but uh, they're going to cross-train him on the inside. The other guys that they're training there are young and have no experience, were harder for me to evaluate. So I, I threw Pascal in there. I gave him a three on a scale of zero to five because I think you can play him anywhere along the defensive line, and that's a valuable trait for a backup. So add mm -hmm. up those four. It's um, a six for Kaminsky, a five for Bugs. That's 11. McNeil gets a five, uh, Pascal gets a three, and I'm at 19 for the Lions. There we go. Awesome. Yeah, we have a, another area of a lot of uh, commonalities, um, starting with uh, John Kaminsky. Um, honestly, really excited about this guy. Uh, if I'm a Detroit Lions fan, I think he has a lot of upside, uh, especially when you look at his rookie year in Atlanta. Uh, he ended the year at an 82.1 grade. Um, like he actually did uh, things that were done at an elite level. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just getting him back to that true form. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he, I mean, he's 6'5", 285 pounds. Like this guy is built kind of like an edge rusher. So it's kind of an interesting... Uh, um, uh, slot here for the Detroit Lions and how they're attacking their their uh, defensive line, uh, especially when you consider their their edge defenders uh, mm -hmm. outside of that. I think they're going to get a lot of speed because um, at face value, I, when I did this uh, kind of exercise for the Detroit Lions, I wasn't impressed 
as much as I thought would be considering that the Lions have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not necessarily meant to say that they're bad, uh, but I think it really emphasizes what they're trying to, to go for, and that is speed. They're trying to rush the passer, in my opinion, when you think of Aiden Hutchinson and the other people they have on their defensive line on the outsides. Um, John Kaminsky definitely fits into that. Um, so really excited about what he could be. So ultimately, I did give him uh, uh, specifically um, a, a 6 out of 10, but the, I think there is an opportunity for him to go as high as an eight or a nine um mm. i think uh he did have some some valleys so to speak last year uh he definitely had a horrible year in his last year with atlanta in 2021 he ended with a 27.4 grade he did get injured partially in that season so that's something to be uh noted but i think he's back on the rise and i expect this time next next year i, I expect him to be at an eight or a nine um because i do think he has a pretty decent upside um but moving on to Isaiah Bugs, I'm really excited about him um, from the Minnesota Vikings standpoint. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did give him a six out of ten. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not as excited about him, and I can't tell why. He is 26 years old, 6'3", 295 pounds. Um, he was the 54 uh, or 54th uh, rated overall interior defender last year out of 142. Um, he was pretty bad in the run game. Maybe that's where I'm letting bias come into my my purview. Um, he was decent in pass rush. He got 43rd uh, out of 142 qualified interiors uh, and was pretty decent in pressure. So honestly, I think it's his run game that's really getting me down, uh, especially when you're thinking about a nose tackle. Um, that's the part where like yeah. he isn't what I think he should be. So maybe if he was at a different position, I'd have a different thought. Um, but I did give him a six. Um, I think... He has an upside of where he could be as a player, but the fact that he's so poor against the run in that position, that brings him down quite a bit. So I uh, give him a six out of 10 for Isaiah Bugs, um, which then uh, uh, moves you over to McNeil uh, over at the, the other end. Uh, 23 years old, 6'2", 325 pounds, like you mentioned. The fact that he lost 13% of body fat, that's phenomenal. Like, yeah. That's that's a big deal. Um, but I also think if we're kind of going back to my previous statement, it shows that the Detroit Lions are prioritizing speed versus stoutness. I think um, they're 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 wanting to be a quick unit. So it'll be really interesting to see what they tackle here this year, because um, during most of the season last year, the Detroit Lions had a pretty amazing offense. I think they were number one in scoring through a good portion of it. And it was their defense that caused the deficiencies mm-hmm. for their, their overall scores. Um, so I think that's kind of a really interesting point. But ultimately, uh, McNeil, um, he was the 34... Uh, 34th best uh, interior defender um, pretty decent against the run decent even better against the pass he did struggle against tackling uh, he was towards the bottom of the league in tackling but was pretty decent in pressure so at the end of the day I give him a six out of ten uh, with an opportunity for him to go up a little bit um, so all in all I gave the Detroit Lions a 21 score out of 35 all right I think you know in listening in knowing what I said and then but in listening to you Giles mm-hmm. and the if if we had uh you know Dan Campbell the Lions head coach here and mm-hmm. Aaron Glenn the Lions defensive coordinator here they mm-hmm. would certainly take exception to this yep but they definitely have focused on the edge of their defense and speed and passing game they have yeah. not focused on stopping the run and no mm-hmm. team will ever say that or admit it but that is apparent to me from a personnel standpoint you Correct. know um Absolutely. And when they're playing the Vikings, that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. When they're playing the Bears, that makes some sense. You know, because yeah. I look at those two teams, and I don't just see two offenses that are trying to run the ball downhill at you all day. Yep. The Packers are going to try to do that to you, though. So the Lions going to have to compensate for that when they play Green Bay twice a year. Yep. But if they're trying to guard Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson and the Vikings passing game, you know, they, 
you can see why they focused this way on their yep. defense, right? Yep. So, because yep. um, they, the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, yeah. and, and we're going to evaluate the secondary and the linebackers later on, but I think we're going to have higher scores for the Lions when we get to those positions than we do for their interior. Yeah, 100%. And I, I do think um, there is a trend going league-wide where they are prioritizing the pass over being completely honest. I think that'll affect even run games here moving forward if you're looking at the paradigm shift here where if teams are really focusing on stopping the pass versus the run, it'll be really interesting to see how this will, will spread across all run games. I was talking to a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and he was expecting that Pacheco will get like 1,200 yards this season specifically for that reason, that yeah. he thinks that no teams are really going to try to stop the run, so he'll be 1,200 yards easy. So, And that's obviously a, a team that passes the ball a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So for 1,200 yards for someone like the Kansas City Chiefs, that could be really interesting. But yeah, I think yeah. you're seeing that that trend league-wide is the point. Yep, yep. All right, we'll, uh, we'll move on to the Green Bay Packers. Um, again, a team that uh, is in transition, big transition with mm -hmm. the interior of the defensive line. Gone is Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry. They played over 1,100 snaps last year, Giles. And the yep. Packers did not sign replacements. Um, which is interesting. They are choosing to replace those two players with what they've already had uh, and with draft picks. So let's start with Kenny Clark, um, <clears throat> who they're asking to change positions. Mm -hmm. Pretty solid grade last year from a PFF standpoint. Had five sacks, um, anticipating a switch here from nose tackle to DN so they can slide TJ Slayton to play nose tackle and so Devontae Wyatt can play defensive end. So to me, Kenny Clark, household name. Giles, a really good player out of UCLA. I loved him when he came out. The Packers got him. I was bummed out about that. I mean, he's a guy with some quickness, some wiggle. He penetrates. He make plays, makes plays. He's a good leader, a very, very good player. You, you referenced earlier in the episode that he might be uh, the highest-graded player in this exercise. And for me, um, he does tie for the highest-graded player, relatively speaking, uh, because Billings got a 9, but it was on a different scale for me. Um, Clark gets a seven for me, really good player. And I, I almost gave him an eight, but I got to see the position switch and I got to see him play well before I can give him an eight, but a really good player. Like when you play the Packers, if you could take a player off the field, you'd probably take Jair Alexander off the field. But yes. after that, you'd probably take Kenny Clark, really good player. Yes. Yep. Uh, next TJ Slayton, um, Pretty solid grade last year again. Played a reserve role, uh, likely a full-time starter, though, here in, in 2023. Uh, a 330-pounder, a guy who can two-gap, consume blockers, keep blockers off of linebackers, set up one-on-ones for his teammates along the defensive line. And, again, the Packers are betting on upside here um, with TJ Slayton. They're moving Clark away from this position, and they're inserting a young player. I gave Slayton a six, maybe a little generous, but um, mm -hmm. I can see why they're doing what they're doing. <clears throat> Next is Devontae Wyatt at end. 69.9 uh, grade last year for him, so very good, although limited in snaps. But when he did play, he played well. He was the 28th pick in the 2022 draft, so a guy they have a lot of hope for, obviously. Um, earned a very good pass rushing grade last year. I'll let you get into that if you so choose. But a guy that the Packers believe can rush the passer and a guy who will benefit greatly if tj slayton is what green bay thinks he can be then Devonte wyatt will be what green bay thinks he can be and if that happens green bay will have a pretty good pass rush i gave wyatt a five uh on a scale of zero to ten uh which i think is fair um mm -hmm. packers fans which there are probably not a lot of them listening to this 
would take exception to that because I think they have high hopes for him as a first round pick last year, but we got to see it before we can give him a six, seven, or an eight. And finally, as a, like a swing interior backup, uh, I went with Colby Wooden. I gave him a three, uh, which might be slightly generous. Um, a fourth-round pick this year uh, provides depth at three-tech or five-tech. Now that I'm looking at this and talking about this, I think I was a little too generous with that, but I gave him a three. Uh, pretty solid player in college. Add it all up, and the Packers get a 21. 21. All right. Yeah, honestly, uh, another area of commonality here, starting with Kenny Clark. Uh, definitely love Kenny Clark. He's a household name. Uh, if you were to ask just random people off the street about the NFL interior defensive line uh, for any team, Kenny Clark would definitely be one of those names that people spit out. Uh, 27 years old, so he's not necessarily even old yet. The fact that he has such a big name, uh, but 6'3", 314 pounds from UCLA, like you mentioned. Um, I think he did have a little bit of a down year last year for being completely yeah, honest. I agree. Um, yep. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the Packers had a whole uh, slew of issues as a team, uh, especially when it came to injury. But he still was the 11th best interior defender in all of football last year, even with a down year. And that's where I think this is something that really shouldn't be discounted. He's a phenomenal player when yep. he's when he is down. He's still a borderline top 10 player. Like, you know, you got to have, you have yep. a Hall of Fame player on there, in my opinion. Yep. Um and really the run is where he really struggled, if we're being completely honest, which is maybe partially why they're moving him away from road tackle, um, where they want to beef up a little bit more on the interior, uh, the interior of the interior. Um, so yep. really interested to see what that looks like. Um, struggle a little bit in tackling, but all in all, I did give him an eight. But I think if he's able to get back to true form, if if the run defense is where he was struggling and they can improve that by moving him over, I do think that could go back up to a nine. Um, but love Kenny Clark, all the respect in the world. Um, and then moving over to, to Slayton, um, I think uh, this guy fits a lot more of a nose tackle personality. I mean, he's a little tall. He's 6'5", uh, but 340 pounds of pure muscle uh, yep. from Florida. That guy is a big man. Uh, he's still got a 61.7 grade. I would say, if I'm being completely honest, he was kind of a feast or famine guy last year. He had games where he was in the 80s for PFF grade, in the high 70s at least. And there were games where he was in the low 30s. Um, now, I think the low 30s were were less than the high 80s, uh, but they still existed. So I think if they can get him to be a little bit more consistent, um, I expect that to be a pretty dramatic improvement. I think that's more of a schematic thing. If they can fix that, I think you may have an elite level player here. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was a 21 uh, draft pick out of Florida, obviously. He was a fifth rounder, obviously. It, it, ironically, it was kind of weird. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do expect him to take a pretty decent step forward. Um, so uh, really excited to see what that is. But I did give him a 6 out of 10 with an opportunity of him to go up to an 8 or a 9 if he fixed those schematic things. Yep. Um, and then moving over to Devontae Wyatt, 25 years old, 6'3", 304 pounds from Georgia. I think this is partially what makes up the Georgia um, team uh, beyond the Eagles, right? Uh, yeah, between yeah. the Eagles and the Packers, they have all the Georgia defense. Um, so really historical player there. Um, was the 32nd overall graded interior defender last year, uh, 54th in, in the run and 29th in the pass. So honestly, this guy has a pretty bright future, in my opinion. Um, I think he has a pretty decent upside. I did give him a, a 6 because he was not very good at generating pressure. Uh, but I do expect that to improve. So I think he's currently a six with an upside of maybe an eight. Um, so really excited about him, uh, which uh, then if you add in uh, Antonio Moultrie, um, mm, yeah. if we're going to call a spade a spade. I think he's a guy. I yeah. mean, I don't expect him to be phenomenal. I gave him a two out of, out of five. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, they didn't replace a lot of players in the overall place. So I think uh, there's an opportunity for that to get better. So uh, all in all, I give the Packers a 22 out of 35 score. All right. Nice. Uh, pretty close here. I think we're aligning, uh, generally speaking, across the division. That was probably our closest one. Yeah. Let's go to the Vikings. 
which is what everyone listening wants to hear. Um, I'll go through this pretty quickly, and then we can get to sort of our general feeling about where the Vikings stand relative to the rest of the division. Dean Lowry is where I start. Not a ton of production last year, not his best season last year, but he comes over from the Packers. Um, 2021 was his most productive season, Giles, when he had 42 pressures and five sacks. So if he can recapture that form for the Vikings, the Vikings will be in business. I think the value here is his run defense, his versatility, and then his leadership. I think Dean Lowry will play the style and the way Brian Flores wants him to play, which will be a good example for the rest of the defense, which are going to be a lot of young players. So I think this is more of like a locker room uh, brand signing as much mm-hmm. as it is like expecting production out of him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Tonga will, uh, will, will go next to Tonga. You know, I think that, I, I believe he was uh, PFF's choice for a possible breakout player, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So PFF has put the put the uh, bullseye on Tonga. I think this is like a big win for the Vikings or kind of a, a telling failure for the Vikings when the season is over. Very excited mm-hmm. to see how this unfolds. Oh, I gave Lowry a six, by the way. Um, Tonga at nose, I'm giving a seven. I'm more on the pro-Tonga side uh, than the skeptical Tonga side. I uh, can't wait to hear what your opinion is, though, of it, Giles. Um, and then I go to Harrison Phillips. So Lowry, six. Tonga, seven. Phillips is next. A lot like Lowry, but a little more of a productive player than Lowry, but a, a leader, um, a guy who's good for your brand for Brian Flores on defense, a guy whose um, example will trickle down to the younger players. But he did grade out well last year from a PFF standpoint, solid production, maybe down a little bit compared to his final season in Buffalo, but was still an important player for the Vikings, and I think he will be this year too. I gave Phillips a six. And then uh, a backup along the interior, you and I talked about him at lunch the other day, Jonathan Bullard, not a young guy, not too long in the tooth, can play anywhere up front, uh, a veteran. I give him a four. Um, so add it all up, and the Vikings get a 23. We'll talk more about this when you're done uh, giving your evaluation, but uh, the Vikings at 23 are the top-graded team in the division, according to yep. yours truly. Well, look at that. I think we have uh, another intersection here. Uh, yeah. We can definitely start off with Dean Lowry, like you mentioned, a uh, guy from the Packers, 29 years old, 6'6", 296 pounds from Northwestern. Uh, um, he did have a 59 grade last year, which, like you mentioned, was a little bit of a downtick. He was a 76th overall graded player on the interior. Um, I expect that he will improve because I do believe the Packers were kind of a uh, a hobbled mess last year, even with Kenny Clark taking a step back with a run. I think uh, much like the interior offensive line, the interior defensive line, um, you know, uh, failure or success with one position can lead to failure or success in another, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're helping each other out or drag each other down. And I think there's a chance that this entire group was kind of dragging each other down. So I do expect there to be kind of an uptick in Dean Lowry's performance. Um, I do ex- don't expect him to be an elite player. I did give him a six out of 10 with an opportunity for maybe him to go up to a seven. Um, so, uh, a fine quality uh, starter, nothing to write home about, but um, just fine from a, a production standpoint. Yep. Um, Kyrie's Tonga is kind of an interesting anomaly in my head because he's 27 years old, 6'4", 321 pounds from BYU. Um, ironically, we're collecting a ton of BYU people, I think, um, uh, which is kind of a trend here. But at the end yeah. of the day, he was the 13th ranked interior defender last year. 
Like when you were to think of Kyrie's Tonga, I think you yeah. would talk to a lot of Vikings fans and like, yeah, he was a, a rotational guy. I guess he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great. And I would say I maybe felt similar in a lot of respects throughout the season. But considering how much he played, he actually did pretty phenomenally. Like he ended the year at a 77.8. He had a lot of games where he was in the high 80s in terms of production. I think he has a pretty decent upsize here. He has the absolute size for a nose tackle. He's a big old dude. Yep. Um so at the end of the day, I did give him a seven. Um, he was a little bit, uh, you know, down towards the bottom in terms of tackling. So I think he has something to improve there. But if he's able to clean that up, I do expect this guy could go up to an eight or a nine, considering what we've seen out of him. Um, when you look at the data and kind of rewatch the tape, I think this guy has an interesting opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings. And if, like you mentioned, if he does improve, I think there's a chance that this has pretty tremendous impacts on the field um, where there'll be a nice ripple effect across the defense. Yep. Um, so then moving over to the uh, other end for Harrison Phillips, 27 years old, 6'3", 307 pounds from Stanford. Um, he was the 29th graded overall player, uh, in, in, according to PFF. Um, honestly, other than pass rush, um, he was pretty decent across every category. I think he's exactly what you want in a starter. Uh, like, he is above average. He's, he's not quite to the elite level, but he is... He's borderline on that that precipice right there. So I, at the end of the day, I did give him a seven with a high of an eight, probably. Mm -hmm. um, so really excited about that. Uh, and then, I, like you mentioned, I put in Jonathan Bullard for our swing interior. Um, I gave him a three out of five. Um, I think he's you know a, a standard backup uh, swing swing guy. He's not horrible, but he's definitely not great. Um, so that brings the overall grade for the Minnesota Vikings interior defending room uh, to a twenty three out of thirty five, which makes them the best interior defenders in the NFC North. That's right, and that's um, so. So two things about that, guys. When it comes to the Vikings defensive line uh, along the interior, to me, they're clearly the top group in the North. Yep, and that's great. Vikings fans should should like that. Um, but I don't think it says much for the rest of the division because if I compare the Vikings interior defensive line this year compared to other years or compared to other teams in the league, it doesn't stack up favorably. I don't think they're poor, yep. but it doesn't stack up to be a, a great unit, but they are the best in the North this year. So I don't think it says much for the rest of the division. The other thing I'd say is to, to me for the Vikings, Tonga is the key. If the Vikings are right on Tonga, they are in business up front and yep. Um, and they'll have a, a pretty good deal on a good player for a while, and that's going to allow them to build up assets in other places. That's really going to help the, the defense. Absolutely. Two other general notes. The Packers, I think, possess the biggest upside, the biggest Absolutely. unknown and the biggest upside. So yeah. if, if every team is right about every, about every decision, the Packers will be the best. Yep. Not every team is going to be right about every decision. Some teams are going to be wrong. Some teams are going to be right. We'll see how it shakes out. Yep. But uh, the Packers have, have the biggest upside. Um, the player out of this whole thing, other than Tonga, who intrigues me the most is going back to the Bears is Jervon Dexter. So yeah. if you didn't study him, Giles, for this exercise, go back and take a look at him and yep. send me your thoughts. I'd love to know what you think about him. And for those listening who don't really know anything about the Bears or Jervon Dexter, go and look him up and see what you think. Um, I didn't think about him in the pre-draft stuff for the Vikings, but now that I have looked at him, I would have wanted the Vikings to take this guy. Um, oh. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him this year and see what happens. Um, when you combine edge and interior, um, I have the Vikings on top of the division, and I have Green Bay second. And Detroit and Chicago are a significant step down. Um, mm -hmm. So the interior grades out very similarly to how the whole thing grades out, where you have the Vikings and the Packers on top, and it's pretty clear to me that that's where it is. 
Yep, I'm the same way. And I think uh, much to your point around the Packers and their upside, if they're able to reach their true potential this year, if Kenny Clark get gets back to true form, he's improving on the run uh, with his new position, if Slayton is actually what I think he can be in terms of being a true nose tackle and improving that side of the ball, I think there's a chance that they could be at least a top 10 defensive line unit. I, I truly think they have that much yep. of an upside if they're able to hit on those. But historical performance doesn't allow me to say that yet. But I think it's important to note that these guys could be really hard to stop if they hit their true stride. Yep. So that's going to do it for uh, our evaluation of the interior of the defensive line. Uh, we've done several positions now, um, so we encourage you guys to go back and listen to them. Uh, if you didn't listen to them the first time around, really fun, interesting exercise. And I also think listeners should do it themselves. If they don't have time to do the whole division, just do the Vikings roster. Um, you know, you really it's enlightening and you can educate yourself on it. Uh, we have done, as mentioned earlier, offensive tackles, the interior of the offensive line, edge rushers, the interior of the defensive line, and we've done quarterbacks. Up next will be, um, I think we talked to guys inside linebackers, uh, so we'll do that in the next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Not a ton of news to break down. No Dalvin Cook signings or re-signings yet. Uh, no DeAndre Hopkins. Kind of the quiet time uh, in the NFL right now with mini camps and OTAs done training camps not yet begun uh this is probably the most restless sleepless time for coaches and gms in the nfl because they're hoping their guys don't get hurt um <laughs> you know don't get in trouble yeah, don't, don't lose do interest in playing yeah 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 um you know they don't want to be in the news this is not a time where you want to be in the news and so there's not a lot of news for the vikings right now and i guess all things considered that's a good thing anything in your uh your notebook giles that you wanted to empty out before we wrap it up no, I'm just really excited for football to get started. I think we're, what, nine Sundays away from kickoff, so yeah. I'm, I'm just stoked. Yep, and, and we're even uh, less than that away from training camps. And doesn't yes. the body clock tell you it's time to go? Yes. Doesn't it? it? Yeah. Yep, I'm getting the itch. <laughs> yep, I mean, it's still hot out. It's still time to swim and go to the lake and your cabins and all that. I mean, we're, we haven't reached the end of that by any stretch. But, like, the itch and the appetite for football has arrived for yours truly. <laughs> yeah. I could yeah. not agree more. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Please like and subscribe uh, to the Wobcast 2.0 uh, on YouTube. And please download and subscribe to our podcast, the Wobcast 2.0, wherever you do that with all your other favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, etc., etc., etc. On behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off from this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We'll, we will be back next week as we evaluate the interior, the inside linebacking crew for every team in the NFC North. But until then, Skull Vikings.